All right, Jimmy, you read. I turn to uh, chapter 3 of Proverbs. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her and those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, for those of you that know me or, or have been in our MCG group, you'll know that like summarizing something in five to seven minutes is not probably right in my wheelhouse. Um, there's a lot in here. I will say a couple things just real quick uh, to maybe help you as we walk through Proverbs to sort of unpack, get the most meaning out of it. So we think of Proverbs as these sort of pithy wisdom sayings, and, we'll, and you really won't see that in earnest until probably chapter 10. The first nine chapters are sort of a, a combination of these speeches uh, between a father and a son sort of idolized that way. And these are um, basically a, a, a demonstration of sort of a lifetime of aggregated wisdom insight throughout the ages uh, that a father would pass on uh, to his son. It's, 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 um, it's, it's, it's a father admonishing his son to seek wisdom, to cultivate the fear of the Lord, 
and to live a virtuous uh, and moral life. And so all of this, uh, it will lead to a life of peace uh, and quote unquote success. And so chapter three starts with one of these sort of um, father-son sort of conversations, a discourse, and it's neat the way it's structured. It's sort of these series of command slash reward um, or counsel with incentive. So he tells, hey, here's the piece of advice that I'm going to give to you, and here's the way in which that might benefit you personally. And so he'll unpack all of that. And these discourses are really sort of setting the stage for when we get into sort of what you would think of as the nitty-gritty of the wisdom sayings, the proverbs, the ants and sluggards and contentious people living in the housetop and those kind of things. But verse 1 and 2 uh, is pretty similar to some of the stuff you've heard already. You know, when he says, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. There's a, a couple of passages I guess I just want to point out that I thought were impactful for me and maybe for where we're at uh, in the life of our church. And so one of these, he's, he's saying, look, I, the commandments of God, the word of God have been passed down. And he's saying, look, the one way to find wisdom, the way maybe, is you can't forget all that's been passed down to you. You can't forget God's word. He says, and then let your heart keep my commandments. And I read that, that sounded a little strange to me. You don't normally think of your heart keeping commandments. And, uh, but there's a sense in which he's saying, Look, your heart, and I'm going to steal one of your verses in 423 that's coming up, um, where it talks about guarding your heart, you know, being, being watchful of your heart because out of it flows, you know, life. And so this is sort of the picture here about your, your heart is supposed to be on guard. It's supposed to be actively vigilant, uh, keeping God's word, uh, being mindful uh, of God's word. And, and the, the outcome of that is length of days and years of peace, uh, will be added to you. And so this peace, this idea of shalom, of, of wholeness, um, of the relationship of love and loyalty with God and with one another, a fellowship, the ad absence of conflict. And so he's saying, look, if you will focus on remembering the teaching, remembering God's word, remembering, letting your heart guard, be actively sort of playing defense uh, against uh straying from these commandments that you've been taught, um, that that's a way that you can ultimately uh, live in peace. I will say, uh, too, one thing to keep in mind maybe as you, as you read through Proverbs is Proverbs is less about uh, promises and more about uh, probabilities, I guess. And so when you read an, a verse like train up a child in the way he should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's not meant to be an ironclad promise that never proves to be untrue because I think we all know some instances where that hasn't been true. But these are probabilistic ways that if you live your life according to these principles, you can maximally live. Again, as we talked about, this idea of wisdom is the skill set. It's, it's, a, it's a way, a mindset of successfully living and navigating the world that God has created, both with him and also with each other. And so keep in mind as you read through Proverbs, as Will unpacks it, it's not necessarily about promises. It is about probabilities, a way to maximize the joy and the richness uh, of the world that God's created for us to live in it. Um, always be remembering. So he talks about the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. Let it not forsake you. Bind them around your neck. So you know, mid-tree, we've certainly been blessed uh, 
you know, we've got a wonderful story that is all of God's grace and none of our own doing. And so it, it, it's helpful, certainly, as we move in, as we're looking at moving into a new building. We look and see, man, God has blessed us so amazing to be mindful, to remember the goodness and graciousness of God, what he's done for us uh, on our behalf. And so always the picture here is binding them around your neck, writing them on your hearts. It's, it's the notion of uh, constantly sort of keep them at the forefront of your mind. Do whatever it takes to not forget all that God has done for you. I probably got the jackpot in terms of the most popular verse, I think, in Proverbs 3, my, 5, and 6. Growing up, if you ever went to a mission conference or revival, all of the pastors, that's the verse that they would, the you know, well, you know, the visiting, uh, the visiting speakers, they would always put Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Yeah, I know. Um, so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it is one of those verses that probably, you know, we sort of lose the impact due to its over-familiarity. I did just want to sort of walk through it real briefly, and then I'll probably close. Um, the notion of here's another way in which uh, if we're looking at maximizing the way in which we live well in God's world, uh, the, 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 the incentive, the reward in this, in this case is he will make your paths straight. So minimize error, minimize the time that you sort of stray off the road, uh, maximize your sanctification. So if, if that's the goal, he gives us sort of three things that we can keep in mind to do that. And the first of all is trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we sort of think about trust as one of those phrases we use a lot, but maybe we don't really fully get the impact of it. Trust is like fully falling face first, uh, totally reliant on God. Either all of the gospel promises are true and we will be saved or they're untrue and it's terrible for us. And so it's like there's no holding back. We're placing all of our confidence in the gospel truths um, without any reservations. And so that's the notion of, of trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's not necessarily... Don't use the skill sets and talents that God's given you, but it is a sense in which you shouldn't over-rely. That shouldn't be your primary source that you go to um, in your daily walk. It should be trusting in God, relying on him, certainly using the gifting that He and the abilities he's given to us, but not in a way that sort of minimizes uh, his, his presence. And then in all your ways, uh, acknowledge him. So there was this, phrase that the reformers used. It was called uh, Coram Deo, living before the face of God. And so I love this notion of acknowledging, always acknowledging God. It's this constant awareness of his presence, of his goodness, of his purpose in our life, that everything that we do is ultimately for his glory. And so if we live our daily lives with that in mind, like, hey, I've, I'm, I'm walking this road. I'm aware that Everything we do is in front of God's eyes. I'm aware of his presence. I'm aware that ultimately everything I do should be for his glory. Certainly that's going to keep us on a path that's straight, maximize our sanctification. And so a lot of this isn't groundbreaking information, but it is something that our hearts struggle with uh, every day. And so I think it's super helpful to sort of just think through it that way. Um, banking on the promises of God acknowledging him everywhere, living, again, under the face of God, that quorum Deo, and then just real quickly, 
in terms of mid-tree too, I thought there was a, in verses 9 through 12, he sort of gives this picture of living in the extremes and honor God with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. So he's this picture of someone who is doing really well and, and he's been blessed and has abundant crops maybe, or maybe in your business you've done exceptionally well. There's this picture here that he's saying, look, the way in which we can walk well in God's world in relationship with him and each other in a way that maximizes our sanctification is honoring God with our wealth and with the first fruits. Um, view it all as, as his, and he's blessed us with that, and, and making that gift uh, a, a priority, uh, a certainty, something that's a convictional item for you, and living with that mindset um, will certainly help us walk in a way that, that he would have us to. And then maybe real quickly down uh, lower than that, it talks about um, don't neglect to give someone, uh, if you have, um, you know, if you have the ability to help someone that's in need, certainly meet that need. Don't wait. Don't say, well, come back tomorrow. I, I'm, we've all probably been guilty of doing that. I probably am guilty of doing that. Uh, once a month uh, in downtown Columbus, probably. Um, but this this was convicting to me that, hey, if, if you have the ability to help someone, do that. Don't put them off. Don't make an excuse. Um, and then there was an item about discipline that don't sort of shirk, don't look down on, don't reject God's discipline. Um, view it as an investment in your sanctification in some sense. And uh, let him do his work in you. Don't sort of fight and view that as a negative that God is angry with you. View it as humbly submitting to the work that he's doing in your life. Uh, and that will certainly maximize uh, the way in which you live and walk in his world. Greg Disfain, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, I have a couple comments. So uh, that Coram Deo. Um, if I had put money on who is going to use Latin... First. Greg, <laughs> I would be me. My bed on Greg. <laughs> yeah, me too. 100%. I'm just copying Greg. Um, but that idea is, you know, the Reformation. There's a lot of strictness in the in Reformation writings and the Puritans and whatnot. And that's that one side of the coin that you know God's watching you. So live your life as though He's standing right next to you and and He's watching and seeing everything you do. The flip side of the coin, though, goes back to what you talked about a little bit earlier um, in verses uh, one and two. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 16, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And it kind of follows that if I treasure God, the kingdom of God, the things of God, my heart is there, then it's my heart that will make me desire to follow the commandments. Um, and and it be, it's kind of a natural progression. I don't say it's easy because it's not. However, um, it, it's crucial to have our treasure in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. I got one other thing. If it doesn't steal from you, all through you guys. Where does the idea of intentionality come out to you in Proverbs, or does it come out to you? I'll go first. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with you. I, I was thinking about this. Okay, I, I was thinking about this while Greg was reading, because, you know, what I just shared was, and, and let's be honest, I've read through this before, but I didn't prepare for three or four or one like I did for two. And I'm listening to Greg, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I mean, it was literally in my yearbook, right? Like, what else do you do? That's what you put. And I did. 
And as you were reading that, I was like, man, it really is so true. If we go hard after God, then we get wisdom. And if we're going hard after wisdom, then we get God. They just live side by side. And so when you were reading that, I was sitting there thinking, when did I really begin trusting God? When did Will begin trusting God? And I, I remember pr- praying for somebody who was dying and who had cancer that God would heal them. And I remember seeing them get healed. And I was like, was that when I started trusting in God? Was it when I was afraid I was going to, uh, like, Karen Ann was going to dump me or something like that? Like, was that when I was like, oh, Lord, please, no. I've only ever had one girlfriend and whatever. Uh, that's true. You see me now. You're like, huh, but back then. Uh, and, like, when did I start trusting God? I'll be honest with you. I had... Uh, an NIV Adventure Kids Bible. Do y'all remember those? They were like Bibles for kids and they had like fun drawings and all this kind of stuff. And I think I was 10, 11 years old and I got it and I had something in me. I was just like, I'm going to read my Bible at night. And when I started reading my Bible every night, my entire life changed. I remember laying on the, the floor in a gymnasium in Atlanta. We were on a missions trip and everybody else was playing ping pong or whatever. And I don't think I was being pretentious, but I was like, I've got to get my time in with the Lord. And I sat in my sleeping bag and I read my Bible. And I've never forgotten that moment because since that time, I've seen my life completely change. When I trusted in him, that's when I became intentional. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. Uh, yeah, is that the question you were sort of getting at? Yeah. Intentionality? Yeah, I, I think certainly, look, when I read Psalm 119 and I hear David, or not David, but the psalmist, describe his love and passion for God's Word. <laughs> and um, if you haven't read it, maybe read it with an eye towards, like this is somebody who, who legitimately loves God's Word, loves spending time. And so I think for a lot of us, certainly for me, the intentionality part of it is there's, there's a part of that that's, that's there's spiritual disciplines that, that you do, that you get the ball rolling, and then as you do that, God honors it, and he blesses it, and it turns into affection and desire, and you, and you love it. And I hope one day to be where the psalmist was in, in 119, but I think intentionality is you, you, you have to start, you have to be intentional about it. And uh, so whether that's following wisdom uh, advice or reading God's word or praying, I think that's good for, for all of those sort of spiritual disciplines. And then the probabilities are much more in your favor, yeah, that's right. Uh, for me, it was definitely in college. I, um, I grew up going to church, but kind of in my life, church stayed at church, and that was it. And I remember being invited to a Bible study by my now wife, Emily. She invited me, and I was like, oh, sure, this pretty girl invited me to Bible study, and I came, and it was, it was nice. It was just like every Bible study I'd ever been to. And then after Bible study, we all went out to eat. I think it was like Buffalo Wild Wings, and they had the games on. But these guys were still talking about the lesson, and they were still talking about Galatians 3 or whatever it was. And I remember being struck by that of like, we're done. Like, the, the guy's not here. Somebody like, said amen 90 minutes ago. Let's get some wings. Literally, I was, like, I was like, the Buccaneers are playing. Like, why are we talking about this? But they had such a heart for the Lord that it just bled out into every area of their life. And when I saw the intentionality of those people, I think that's when I caught fire of, I want to be like them. Because for, for me, in uh, the past, growing up, church was kind of drudgery because it was just a morose kind of thing that we had to do and had to go to. And there was no joy in it whatsoever. But once I got around those, those men and women who were genuinely excited to talk about the word of the Lord, um, that's, when, that's when it started for me. 